If you have a Bible, if you could open your Bibles to uh, Proverbs, it may seem that we are going uh, slowly through Proverbs. We're all the way in chapter 2. But we are going to look at uh, chapter 2 together. Uh, it's, all, it's 22 verses, long, uh, a long chapter, uh, but that's what we're going to attempt. Uh, little theologians, thank you for being here. Uh, as you uh, listen to this passage and as I preach, why don't you work on a piece of artwork for me? Draw about a hundred squirrels and just one acorn. How about that? hundred squirrels or so and, uh, and one acorn. Uh, seriously, thanks little theologians for, uh, for, uh, for being here, for listening to God's Word. Uh, we're in Proverbs chapter 2, and we'll look at the entire chapter, but uh, let's do this before we even read. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for making yourself known in your word. Thank you that your word is true. Uh, thank you that your word is inerrant. Thank you that your word is infallible. It resonates with your character. And so we thank you for making yourself known through holy scripture. Speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. So Proverbs chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. The Lord gives wisdom from His mouth, uh, gives wisdom from His mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, uh, guarding paths of justice and watching over the way of His saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, uh, every good path, for wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways." So you'll be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous for the upright will inhabit the land, and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. This is the word of our Lord. Well, I know that this is a lengthy passage, but if you think about the passage from last week at the very end of chapter 1, uh, King Solomon left us with a little bit of a quandary. Remember what he says in verse 33? If your Bible's open, you can see it. Uh, he, he offers this enticing promise in verse 33. Um, he said that um, he who uh, listens to wisdom will, you see there in 33, dwell secure, be at ease, 
and not dread disaster. That's the promise of verse 33. That's what happens to whoever listens to wisdom. But, you know, virtually all of chapter, chapter, or chapter 1, it's, it's not about uh, that person. It's actually about wisdom crying aloud in the street, raising her voice in the markets, and yet not being listened to. The very end of chapter 1 offers a promise but the real bulk of chapter 1 is not about the person who receives that promise, but about the one who refuses to listen to wisdom, who ignores wisdom, who turns away from wisdom. And when we come to the end of chapter 1, we ought to be uh, almost banging down the door of King Solomon to find out, but what about that person who does listen? And that's what we have here in chapter 1. Now he's going to tell us just a little bit more about who this wisdom is, although in chapter 2, the the word for wisdom is never capitalized. But we get the point. Here in chapter 2, he's going to tell us more about who that wisdom is that is uh, crying out. And not only that, here in this passage, he's telling us more about who wisdom is, but he's also telling us about the kind of value that we have in life when we listen to that wisdom. And really, he's telling us who wisdom is, and he's telling us the benefits of walking with wisdom. And that's really what chapter 2 is about. And I think what chapter 2 is saying is this, is that wisdom is the Lord speaking. Wisdom. That's the Lord speaking. And he's speaking to keep us safe in the world. Well, that's what this chapter is about. Wisdom is the Lord speaking, and He speaks to keep us safe in this world. The first eight verses, one through eight, tell us that wisdom is the Lord speaking. Uh, Look at verse six. For the Lord gives wisdom. And not only that, from His mouth comes knowledge and understanding. The language of speaking is evocative in this chapter. We need to pay attention. We ought to have, by the time we reach chapter 2, verse 1, we ought to have wondered who wisdom is. We're told that uh, wisdom, first of all, at the very beginning of chapter 1, wisdom is the instruction of dad and the teaching of mom. Chapter 1, verse 8. Well, there, there's wisdom. But wisdom is about the instruction of dad and the teaching of mom. What's dad doing? What's mom doing? They're speaking. They're making wisdom known. We're told that their instruction and teaching, though, is meant to lead to a particular goal, and the goal is the fear of the Lord. That's what moms and dads are supposed to do. They're supposed to speak teaching and to speak instruction that has as the goal the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of knowledge, chapter 1, verse 7. And then King Solomon, he, he tells us that wisdom herself is speaking, not just, not just dad and mom, but wisdom herself is speaking. And as we make our way through Proverbs, you're going to learn about this wisdom who is speaking. This wisdom was with God at creation, chapter 3 and chapter 8. And this wisdom has a house that is a secure, safe house, and it is open to all who might come in. Uh, Proverbs chapter 9. But King Solomon is starting slowly with us. Look at verse uh, 6. He's telling us that the Lord Himself 
speaks wisdom. Now, you might know this, but that word for Lord in verse 6 is Yahweh. The Lord Himself, Yahweh, God, the triune God, is the one who is speaking this wisdom. Wisdom, King Solomon tells us, comes from God, particularly from the mouth of God. When wisdom is speaking in chapter 1, verse 20, crying aloud on the streets and the market, when wisdom is speaking, it's God who's speaking. This is a masterful piece of literature here as King Solomon is building uh, the notion of the wisdom of God. Uh, Dad and mom, they speak wisdom. Almost everyone in the audience of King Solomon would nod their heads. Yes, dad and mom speak wisdom. Praise be to those who have uh, wise, uh, godly parents. But their wisdom, no matter how good it is, is only as good as it matches with the teaching of Yahweh. That's the, that's the benchmark, isn't it? The, the canon, the, the measuring rod. Uh, after all, it's not the fear of dad or the fear of mom that's the beginning of knowledge. It's not what, that's not what King Solomon says. It's not the fear of parents that's the beginning of knowledge. It's the very fear of God. But praise be that this God speaks makes himself known. And here in these first eight verses, I think there's two things we need to walk away with before we move on, is the writer of Proverbs is telling us uh, the attitude that we ought to have towards the wisdom of God, and that attitude is one of vigilant desire. That's the first thing we learn in these eight verses. The second thing is this, is that King Solomon is telling us uh, not merely the attitude towards the wisdom of God, but our confidence in the wisdom of God, and that is the very character of God. You, you, you need to hear this again, verses 1 through 5, our attitude toward the wisdom of God, which is vigilant desire, and 6 through 8, our confidence in the wisdom of God, which is the character of God. This, this, all in those first, those first few verses where King Solomon is telling us that uh, wisdom is the Lord speaking. But first, our attitude. You see in verse 1, the paradigm, a son listens to his father. My son, receive my words. Treasure up my commandments with you. And there's a slight switch in verse 2. He says, make your ear attentive to wisdom. I think we ought to hear in verse 2 what he's already defined wisdom as. Uh, Make your ear attentive to wisdom is the dad's way of saying make your ear attentive to the one true God. Listen to me, but really listen to the wisdom spoken by the Lord. And it seems that the dad is telling his son to be hyperactive about his pursuit for wisdom. Dads, have you told your kids to be hyperactive? We tend to tell our kids not to be hyperactive. But dad is telling his son to be vigilant about wisdom. Wisdom is called understanding and insight, but really, what is it? It's a treasure. And the dad says, search for that treasure. Seek that treasure. One through five is about the vigilance of the son. Did you notice in verse 3 that the son is actually to call out for insight? Remember wisdom was shouty in 1 verse 20? But now the kid, he's called to be shouty. You're supposed to call out for this insight, to raise your voice for understanding. 
It's almost like this little game that I play with my dog. We have a back porch that is two stories high, and I'll throw a piece of food off the edge of the banister, and the dog's got to go around and down the stairs, and the dog will be down there forever looking for that piece of food that I threw. And sometimes she finds it, and sometimes she doesn't. But wisdom is what you're seeking for vigilantly, but wisdom does something a little strange in verse 3. Wisdom actually cries out back to you. Wisdom is someone, not something. Wisdom you call out for in verse 3. Raise your voice for wisdom. Wisdom is a person, and wisdom responds. Is not this an image of God's Word? We seek to know God in His Word. We spend time in His Word, but we believe that God's Holy Scripture is alive. That in Scripture, God is actually speaking to us. Our vigilant desire ought to be for this Word that doesn't just lie dormant in front of us like a schnauzer looking for a bit of food in tall grass. No, wisdom actually approaches us. We call out to wisdom because wisdom's a person. Our attitude towards the wisdom of God is vigilant desire, but our confidence in the wisdom of God is a person. It's the character of God. We're vigilant, but that's not our confidence. I mean, if we just keep telling ourselves, if I just seek more deliberately, raise my voice louder, study harder, I'll get all of my questions answered, that's not what the Father is telling His Son. Our confidence is never to be in ourselves, but in God. He's the speaker of wisdom. You see in verse 6, we've looked at this, the Lord gives wisdom. But look, verse 7, the Lord, He stores up, He keeps, He holds sound wisdom. Look at verse 7, He is a great shield. Uh, He is a guard in verse 8. And in verse 8 also, He watches over the way of His saints. Verses 6 through 8, they're about the character of wisdom, which is the character of Yahweh which is the character of God, the God who speaks. You know, living with wisdom ultimately depends upon God and not you. That may be difficult to hear, but my seeking, my raising of my voice for wisdom is going to change by degrees in my walk through this Christian life, and that's true for you as well. But God, He never changes. You change. And sometimes you're shouting and sometimes you're seeking, but sometimes you're doing that so poorly your brothers and sisters can hardly recognize you. But God doesn't change. Isn't that beautiful? God remains the same, and it's wisdom that pours forth from the lips of an unchanging God that we are seeking. But that unchanging God, He loves us. You see, that's why wisdom and understanding can't work as if you are an athlete competing for the gold medal, and you do it real well, and you get the gold medal. Wisdom and understanding don't work that way. Receiving the good life of verse 33, dwelling secure, living at ease, no fear of disaster, you can't earn those things. Why not? Because these things come to us from a person. They're not things that we dream of, search for, and possess. They're things that need to be received. And God, the giver of the great gift of wisdom, is the giver of the great gift of Jesus. 
Verses 1 through 8 tell us that wisdom is the Lord speaking, and our attitude towards the wisdom of God is one of vigilant desire, but our confidence in the wisdom of God is the very character of God. Our trust is ultimately not in our own vigilance, but in His perfect character. You want to test this? You want to see if this is true? Ask yourself what your attitude is towards Christ. Our Lord and Savior, is God made visible, the Word of God embodied? Are you vigilant for Him? Are you confident in Him? Not His example before you, what He does is something you need to copy, but are you confident in His person and in His work and in His character? Do you know Him through the foot of the cross? Are you vigilant for Him? And is your trust in Him? Now, when this dad who's writing Proverbs chapter 2, when he looks out into the world, he sees two dangers in particular. And, and both of these dangers, I mean, one he's already mentioned, but both of these dangers he's going to talk about over the course of the next few chapters. And surely there's more dangers than these two, but these are the two that he focuses on. And the, the uniqueness of these dangers is that according to the speaker of wisdom, these dangers themselves speak. In verses 9 through 15, there's a danger of perverted speech. In the remainder of the chapter, verses 16 through 22, there's the danger of smooth words. Parents, I'm not sure how you describe the dangers in this world to your children, but uh, I'm not sure you do it like this. I'm not sure Karen and I did it like this. But the dad says that there is a danger of perverted speech in verses 9 through 15. You see in verse 12 there, uh, he will, wisdom will deliver you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech. Dad knows that there isn't just one path in life, that there's many paths, and that walking in a good path, verse 9, well, that's not always easy. And you know, Dad seems to be pretty honest about this. Uh, he seems to be speaking from experience. He knows that there are bad characters out there, and in all honesty, he seems to know these bad characters pretty well. The dad knows that there are numerous bad paths that speak and distract you from the good path. Perverted speech is speech that is lying, uh, that is confusing. We might think of Satan's speech to Eve. But notice what dad, dad's method is. Dad is not telling his son to simply turn up the volume on your seeking. He's not trying to guilt his son or terrify his son. He really doesn't even tell his son in these few verses uh, how to seek wisdom. Uh, he doesn't promise that the bad guys will lose. We all love uh, a hero story. He doesn't promise that the bad guys uh, will lose. Here's dad's method. You ready for this? First, he tells his son how the men of perverted speech operate. And second, he tells his son the promises that wisdom makes. That's the dad's method. He tells his son with great detail how the men of perverted speech operate. They forsake the paths of uprightness. Verse 13, they walk in the ways of darkness. They rejoice in doing evil. They delight in the perverseness of evil. I mean, dad seems to know these folks real well. That sends some chills up your back. Dad seems to know these folks and how they operate, but this is one of the promises of Christianity. The Bible tells us not only how our hearts work, but the, but the Bible tells us how the hearts of every human being works. Dad 
tells his son how the men of perverted speech operate. But he also tells his son the promises that wisdom makes. Wisdom will come close to you, he says, into your heart. Look at that promise. You think dad knows something about wisdom as well. Wisdom will come into your heart. And knowledge will miraculously be pleasant to you. Uh, knowledge, the knowledge that comes from the lips of God, will in God's great grace become the center of all your desires. Wisdom will watch over you. Wisdom will guard you. Wisdom will deliver you. Wisdom can be trusted. That's what he tells his son. He tells his son how the men of perverted speech operate, and he tells his son the promises that wisdom makes. And, and he does the same thing beginning in verse 16 to the end of the chapter. Uh, it, now it's not the danger of perverted speech. It's the, tain, the danger of those who speak with smooth words. Look at verse 16. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words. Now, Dad knows that there's not just one good path or one uh, path in life. He knows that there are many bad paths that compete with a good path. And Dad was honest about perverted speech, but now he seems to be pretty honest about these smooth words, the smooth words of a forbidden woman. And just like perverted speech, this smooth speech, it's captivating. Perverted speech lies to you and lures you and, and uh, confuses you, but smooth speech is just that. The word literally means slippery. It's flattery that lulls you someplace. And notice Dad's method again. It's the same thing. The smooth speech is obvious about, obviously about sexual temptation, uh, but dad's method, it just doesn't change. Uh, first, he tells his son how the speaker of smooth speech operates. She's forbidden, he says in verse 16. In the Hebrew, it's literally she's a foreigner or a stranger, but he's not talking about a person who's a stranger politically, but a stranger morally an outsider who brings something immoral into that which would be moral. She's called an adulteress. It's a good translation. She's the kind of person who is off limits. A man is to be faithful to his wife. He's to treat all women who are not his wife as a mother or as a sister. Those are your options, men. And in verse 17, uh, this uh, speaker of smooth words, she forsakes the companion of her youth. She herself is unfaithful. She forgets the covenant of her God, which means she knows a thing or two about how religion works, but I think verse 18 tells us that she's not likely a Christian. Her house sinks down to death, paths lead to the land of, de of the dead. I think verse 17 is tricky. What kind of relationship does she have with the covenant, and in what degree can she call God her God? Verse 17 is hard. But who is this person? Well, uh, going back to the one who uh, has a perverted a speech, that's a person who delights in opposing God's path, who delights in twisting God's path, darkening God's path, and wants you to join him. Well, this is a woman who may be a flirtatious woman who is luring you from God's path, or she might be the woman with whom you flirt with yourself and lust after yourself. 
I wonder if uh, here this woman can even be the alluring woman of pornography, enticing with metaphorically smooth words to draw you from God's path. Beware, says dad, her house sinks down to death. But remember the method. The method is that the dad has insight to understand um, how the, the speaker perverted speech operates and how the speaker's smooth words operate. But again, it's a promise, promise, promise. Look what he tells his son. He says that wisdom will deliver him from her. He says that wisdom will keep him in the paths of the righteous. Wisdom can be trusted in the danger of perverted speech and the danger of smooth words. Wisdom can be trusted. Now, I think that there's two applications to this tie this up uh, very tidily, and that's, that's where I want to go to. Uh, wisdom is the Lord speaking, one through eight, and wisdom speaks to keep us safe from two threats in the world, the danger of perverted speech and the danger of smooth words. But I think there's two applications that ought to come lunging out of this text to us, and the first one is this. We need to take to heart the implications of verse 6. For it is the Lord who gives wisdom from His mouth come knowledge and understanding. Do we believe that our relationship with God has anything to do with the commonality and the ordinariness of our life? God's the ultimate giver of wisdom. And we are so easily distracted in this age that we concoct all kinds of other wisdoms to compete with the wisdom of the God who speaks and the God who we profess to believe. We might think about the implications of verse 6 this way. Apart from God's mouth, there's no true knowledge. Apart from God's mouth, there's no true understanding. Do we really believe that? Do we really believe that? Listen to these implications. We are distracted, and we are adept problem solvers. But apart from the lips of the one true God... There is no knowledge and no understanding. That's the first application. The second is this. According to the father of this passage, the company that we keep matters. And some of us make it a habit to spend time with those whose speech is perverted and who are constantly tempting us to another way. We almost take delight in that. Some of us make it a habit to spend time with people like that. And some of us are tantalized by being near the speakers of smooth words. Pay attention to that. The company that we keep really matters. We grow in wisdom as we delight in life with the saints. I think the great application of this passage is to love and spend time in the church, to love the saints of Jesus Christ wherever we find them. The wisdom is the Lord speaking, and He speaks to keep you safe, and He speaks to keep me safe. And apart from His mouth, there's no wisdom at all, no matter how hard you believe it. And the community that we keep, life in the church, matters. Wisdom is the Lord speaking, and He speaks to keep us safe in this world. Would you join me in prayer? Our Father, we do uh, thank You for Your, your speaking. We, we praised You for Your speaking Word before we prayed for this sermon.
But Heavenly Father, do we really trust your word? Are we seeking for a kind of fulfillment that can be, can be found in some other way? It's a lie. You are the speaker of wisdom. Would you help us to listen? In Jesus' name, amen.